Welcome to Flyover Future's new flight plans, hosted by our CEO, Tom Cottingham. We're here because the CMO wants better data, the CRO wants a new CRM, finance wants better security, the government wants compliance, employees want to work smarter and not harder, and human resources wants more training, and the CEO wants better information. The capabilities of technology are growing exponentially, and security breaches are a constant concern. How will organizations deal with these issues? Will traditional corporate and IT flight plans change? Will responsibility for technology be increasingly centralized or distributed? What kind of skill sets will we need throughout the organization, including senior leadership? And how do we recruit, develop, and retain the talent we need? We will talk about these and other pressing issues in this series of conversations with IT executives, technology thought leaders, and other experts who are building the future today. We invite you to listen in and join our community today. Go to flyoverfuture.com. I'm Tom Cottingham, and this morning our guest is Debbie Reynolds, also known as the Data Diva. And Debbie is a internationally known expert on data privacy. She's a speaker. She's been on uh, you know, broadcast television talking about privacy and security, and we're super happy to have her here. Welcome, Debbie. Thank you, Tom. It's a great pleasure to be here and hang out with you uh, on your program. Thanks so much. Um, let's dive right in. One of the things um, that's come up a lot around privacy has been Apple's new rules and how that's going to affect advertisers, um, Google also. Um, do you have any thoughts about that, um, how, how people should think about that, especially our C-suite listeners? Yeah, I think the, the moves that Apple and Google are taking are going to have a tremendous impact on advertising. So the way that advertisers now go out to market, uh, market to people on the internet uh, is going to change dramatically. Uh, we've already seen a lot of these changes happen over in Europe. Um, I don't know if you remember at the time that the uh, General Data Protection Regulation, the GDPR in Europe was passed. Uh, as a result of that, that's why in the U.S. we started banners. So, you know, accept this, accept that. A lot of that was because of Europe and companies didn't want to treat Europe and U.S. differently in that way. So they tried to make mm-hmm. everyone consent for everything. So it's completely going bananas here. Um, yeah, but I right. think there are a lot of cases. So at Apple and Google are taking some because of Europe and a lot of their regulations. So there are um, there are regulations being passed that are putting more responsibility on organizations who are first party data holders and what they do when they transfer data to third parties. So companies like Google and Apple, what they're doing is trying to lower their risk um, of kind of like sanction or regulation as it relates to third parties. So we're seeing that downstream as well. So we're seeing um, a lot of companies putting more addendums and contracts. Uh, so if you have contracts, existing contracts for people, you're probably going to get an update this year. Uh, and it, it lays out more um obligations that companies want you to have in terms of what how you handle their data if you're a third party. 
there's going to be, you know, changes in marketing. Uh, so the marketing as usual changed quite a lot. Uh, there's a lot of pressure being put on companies that do marketing, uh, not just data brokers, obviously data brokers, but, you right. know, some of the tools that we use right now, or Google fonts, you know, all the, all those changes will trickle down uh, to almost any type of <laughs> organization of any size. So I think, right. you know, expect to see changes on kind of the legal side, the contract side, and then also technology side. And that means that organizations really need to sort of look at their stack of what they're working with in terms of, you know, how they send out emails and stuff like that. But I think some of the industry players will probably help companies make those changes, but it's incumbent upon those organizations to follow through on that. Interesting. So what about Amazon, right? I mean, they're becoming huge in the advertising. They've got behavioral data, which is a little different. How do you think it'll affect them? I think it will affect Amazon quite a lot. I think Amazon, uh, Amazon's a little bit unique. I guess to me, Amazon, I put them almost in the in the vein of Google. So they're kind of like a Google uh, business model in some way. So right. being a being an everything store has its advantage. You know, it's not a coincidence that they have devices that they want you to have. They have, you know, I don't know what all they what all they have, but Amazon has we don't even want to know, right? Right. You don't know enough. <laughs> right. But the thing that, that the thing that Amazon has or some of these big companies, especially when they go into different industries, is that they have first party data. Right. So right. That means they can do more with that data than they could if they were a third party. So it's not a coincidence that they, you know, bought Whole Foods. So people, the regulators, they're like, okay, well, you want to buy Whole Foods? Great. You know, they didn't see that as kind of a antitrust issue because they thought, well, Amazon is going to buy another company like Amazon. It's like, no, they're going to buy stuff in healthcare. They're going to buy stuff in financial, you know, all that because it, the more data points they have on people, the more valuable that data is. So um, I think in the U.S., there just isn't, there are really very few guardrails, of any, <laughs> around that. Yeah, right. uh, we're seeing a lot more regulation and proposals in the EU around kind of algorithms and, you know, data sharing and data retention and all that will impact us at some point, um, even if it doesn't happen in regulation. I think that companies, they're going to have to make so many drastic changes. They're going to have to have to make changes there. But uh, again, companies that have, you know, the device that you have in your house, the websites that you use, uh, if you're a customer of these, uh, uh, these products, they can... They have just tons of data that you consent to, basically, and they do all types of stuff with it. Right, right. So, I mean, this brings up another interesting issue that we're trying to deal with in the podcast, which is reimagining how technology is going to be managed. And, I mean, this is a classic case, right? So this affects your CMO. It affects legal. It affects, obviously, IT, your CISO. So, you know, one of the questions is, who owns this? Um, and 
And what are your thoughts on how to make sure that everyone gets aligned on an issue like this, right? It's, it's, I've got to make sure that again, that, you know, the marketing people are doing the right thing and the legal people are reviewing their contracts and that the CEO and the CFO understand how this might impact our bottom line. Right. Um, yeah, it's tough. So it has to be a multidisciplinary effort. I think a lot of times organizations don't know where to start. Uh, they don't know what what part of the organization organization they will start with. But I think uh, companies are going to start feeling the pressure from legal first uh, because there are going to be a lot of new contracts, uh, a lot of new addendums, a lot of new things that you have to sign. You know, certain products that you're using, they're going to push out more updates uh, like, hey, we changed our terms of service. Hey, we changed our privacy policy or, hey, you know. You know, I know we, we've been a long time customer, but now we have this new addendum about third parties and Europe right. and cookies. Um, so I think they will probably start there and sort of trickle uh, through the organization. But I think, you know, probably the most important thing that organizations need to know is that if their business as usual is not going to work. So they're going to have to make some change at some point. So if you're doing, so basically uh, if you're doing things the way that you've always done and make no changes, you're going to be a hot water because the, the, the things are shifting, things are changing, the obligations are changing. So really being able to look at how these changes will impact your organization. Um, you know, there'll be a lot more scrutiny on third-party data sharing. Uh, there'll be a lot more contracts there. There'll be a lot more language around products that you use. You know, uh, you know, Google will probably send you a, like, a, it sucks to be you. Like, here's all, all the new stuff that you have to do to figure out what you need to do to comply with these regulations. So I think, you know, things are shifting. So I think, you know, looking at all these changes and understanding how they they uh, come together, I think it's really important. So if I'm a CIO right now listening to this or a CISO, I should go to sit down with legal. Yeah. First, probably, <laughs> right? I mean. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, that and, you know, educate yourself. I mean, there's so much happening in the news. So whenever you see, you know, Google, hey, we're going to have this new privacy change or Apple, when they did app transparency, I think a lot of people in the market didn't understand how much it was going to impact them. Like I did a video like a year ago. I'm like, hey, like this people are lose like a ton of money as a result of this change. Right. And they're like, oh, no, it's not going to happen. And then what? Like, I think I think the estimate was companies lost like two hundred and seventy billion dollars. I want to okay. say as a result of uh, right as a result of the Apple change. And that's just that is based on the value of data from Apple users. Well, it's, it's like an order of magnitude more valuable than Android data, right? Yes. So basically, you would need ten Android users to equal the marketing value of an Apple user. So Which it was definitely a, a big hit. Uh, so you know, part of that is perception. Part of it is you know they feel that people who use Apple products spend more money on stuff, maybe, uh, more disposable income or whatever. But yeah, it's just a, it's, it, it's a tectonic shift, I would say. That is pretty interesting and it is going to be a huge deal, I think. Um, but from an individual side, good news, right? 
I mean, we're, I think the market is pulling away from having us be the product as much. Do you, do you agree with that? Uh, to some extent, yes. So I think uh, companies are begrudgingly, you know, except Apple. Apple, you know, Apple knows that this is going to happen, right? So they just went right. first. Yeah. So they're like, let's let's just let's just do this, right? But that it's benefited them, one, yeah. right? Yeah. That benefit them because people need help. You know, people want privacy. People want their data to be protected. So I think there's a huge gap in the market right now where we don't. We need to see more products or more services, you know, really champion privacy uh, because people really want that and it's valuable. Right, right. Um, so let's let's pivot for a second um, into how IT and the management of technology gets gets restructured, reimagined. Um, you know, one of the things that I find kind of fascinating is that about 90% of CIOs come out of programming backgrounds, right? Which makes sense because 20 years ago that, you know, you needed a DIY person in there, right? Who would go reset the servers on Sunday and, you know, do whatever. Um, but now as we increasingly see technology permeating every aspect of business, I mean, we were just talking about legal right then. Um, What's the CIO of the future look like? Is there a CIO? Is it remain siloed? Is it become um, assigned to each you know business unit line of businesses? Is it decentralized, centralized? Do you have any any thoughts on that? I mean, it's a complex problem. I know. Yeah, yeah. That's that's like solving world peace. This is like a, this is like <laughs> we're a not tough. doing very good job at that, are we? Jeez. Absolutely not. Uh, so I think. It just depends on the organization. You know, maybe some some organizations want to centralize that role. They may want to decentralize. I think the thing that is happening, that the, the shift that needs to happen is that, uh, you know, the people who are in these roles really need to be multidimensional, right? They need to be multifaceted in the way that they communicate. So definitely have, I think, um, you know, having a deep understanding of kind of the, the technical challenges, but then also finding ways to not be firefighting all the time. Right. So, right. you know, doing, you know, I say, you know, instead of being a firefighter, you want to be smoking the beer. OK, so you want to prevent Present those forest right? fires. <laughs> And you want to be in a position to be talking strategically about what's happening down the line. So I think right. traditionally there's been, you know, a, a problem where people think, oh, you know, if I'm not seen, I'm, you know, if everything is working fine, you know, no one calls me, then that's you know my job, which it really isn't. So a lot of it is sort of champion uh, uh, around kind of new initiatives, uh, new threats, new risks, and try to get everyone on the same page. So you don't want to be dragged into a crisis, which we know all of us get dragged into crisis, right? Uh, but right. Having, having a place and a platform for yourself where people know that they're getting proactive messaging from you about sort of what's next. I think that one of the issues that came up in our... Um office hours that we have with our site group um, 
was that technologists often lead when they're communicating with the rest of the people in the C-suite, lead with the technology, right? And instead of telling a story from the business standpoint of what's our exposure, right? What are the risks? How do we mitigate the risks? Um, and it's the importance of storytelling, I think, that that is missing um, from this, you know, the skill stack of a lot of technologists. I mean, have you, you have any thoughts on that? Oh, absolutely. You know, you do have to be able to tell a story, you know, like the Goldilocks story, you know, so this is what happens. <laughs> you know, here's what's going to happen if you don't do this or whatever. Right. I think um, storytelling is key and not every problem can be solved with technology, right? So a lot of the cyber issues we see are human problems, you know, so if you're exactly. if you're pushing a technology, it really doesn't solve the issue completely, right? It may help you, uh, you know, accelerate maybe your maturity or help you with one part of the problem, but it really is a human problem. So thinking of it as a human problem, thinking of it as a business problem, thinking of it as a business risk, and then coming up with solutions that may, play, you know, where technology may play a part, I think will help, uh, help, you know, get more adoption for these programs, understanding that it takes, it's just not a technology issue. Well, so, but you're a technologist, you're a great storyteller and a great communicator. So what was it about your background as, as you were coming up that, that allowed you to combine those two skills? Oh, aren't you sweet? Uh, you know, I have, I, I don't know, I don't quite fit really into a box, right? So right. There, is, yeah. there there's no box for Debbie, okay? So for me, I've always had to learn how to build consensus. You know, some of it is, you know, step by step, day by day, you know, go talk to the marketing people. You know, go talk to the legal people, not in a crisis mode, right? You want to wait till things are nice and calm, build those bridges, build that communication, get those champions, uh, find out who is your champion in those areas so that when you come to the boardroom, you have people who can support you, right, um, uh, in that. So that's helped me quite a lot, um, you know, getting, especially probably the most caustic people that you deal with, you want to get them by themselves. <laughs> get <laughs> That's them, really good advice. Yeah, right? find, find the person who's like the most difficult and get them by themselves because it's hard for them to retain that energy on a, on a one-on-one basis with you. And once, once they feel less threatened, right, and they understand that you're helping, working with them, they'll be one of your biggest champions. That's really great advice it's not necessarily intuitive to a lot of people right so well because you want to run the other way i mean sit down with them and figure out where your common ground is right yeah exactly let them know that you're not their enemy you're here to help them right they want to know you know these people they want to impress other people in their jobs as well so anything you do to make them look good definitely helps so as long as they understand where you're coming from and that they have your support, you know, they'll totally change their tune. That's, I think that's really great. We should not forget the human element, right? And I think a lot of this does boil down to relationships, relationships internally, and just sitting down and talking with people. And you're right, not waiting till there's a crisis. 
Yeah, and it's hard to do. It's hard. So, you know, especially when you're you're the C-suite, you're in these meetings or whatever, you want to build those coalitions behind the scenes, right, in the background. Uh, so that when you come to the table, you have that support already. Yeah, read read about the uh, the Congress of Vienna. <laughs> back, back stuff that was going on then is pretty crazy. Um, so finally, I mean, we're we're talking a lot about how we bring diversity into IT and diversity of thought, diversity of background. I mean, one of the things um, I think as we rethink IT is getting people with more of a liberal arts background, right? Who've read ethics and philosophy. Um, and then, you know, women and, and black women and other kinds of, of diversity. Do you have any thoughts or advice for young women um, who are interested in getting into technology? Have you found it easy? Have you found it difficult? Have you found um, it, it challenging? What are the, what's your advice for Oh, I love these questions. Uh, let's see. Future Debbies. Future Debbies. Well, I'm not a, so I, my training was not technology. I'm self-taught. Um, so I was a philosopher, believe it or not. And my mother was horrified. <laughs> so this I, is why you're a good storyteller, right? I mean, you didn't <laughs> come out of a tech background, right? No. You, you were a reader and a, right. Okay. Yeah. So, but then I taught myself to use computers and I understood, you know, I love data and data flows or whatever. So I, you know, for me, you know, the thing that you're interested in, you know, take some time to study yourself. You know, there's a self-study part to things that has to happen, right? So when I, you know, uh, one thing that I did early in my career when I would be working with a lot of like IT and network people, you know, they have all these acronyms and stuff that I didn't understand. And right. so I went to um, the live, I went to like Barnes and Noble and got, or Borders or whatever, and I got a book like Networking for Dummies. And I read it over the weekend just so I could understand, okay, understand now. The concepts, right. Yeah, I understood the concepts and that helped me so much being able to talk to people, right? And then also, you know, around legal stuff. So if you're working with legal teams, you want to understand the vernacular and what they're talking about. So for me, it really helped open up those avenues for me because people understood that I knew these different areas and I can speak kind of across these different areas. So you want to be able to communicate, right, to anyone at any level uh, in an organization. And so a lot of it is kind of practicing. Uh, you know, right. I used to feel myself talking uh, and it was Did horrifying. You oh, yeah. Yeah, I would feel it was t- so, I mean, you really worked at this. I mean, you, you sat down and said, what are the skills I need to proceed in my career? And literally would film yourself talking. That's really interesting, I think. Oh, absolutely. Just get your phone out, feel, you know, say something. And it's horrifying, right? Because you're like, oh, it's so bad. But after a while, <laughs> you get you get more comfort in it. Um, you see, you know, what angles look good on you, you know, how you can talk. And then... You know, it, it isn't, I think people see, you know, oh, you know, Debbie, you do all this stuff. It's like, it's been bit by bit, right? So it's like step by step every day, you do a little bit of something to sort of improve either your writing or your speaking or your coalition building. You know, that's very important, you know, 
that I know a lot of times when you're really busy, the last thing you want to do is have a conversation with like probably the most you know caustic person in your <laughs> circle. But yeah, right. that's sometimes what is needed uh, to be able to to move forward in your endeavors. I think that's such wise advice, and um, I think it applies to anybody who's really listening, right? Which is, you're we're always adding to our skill set. You've got to be mindful and proactive about it, um, and you got to do it every day. Um, and I think that that's that's really the key. And and you don't have to come into it with super deep technology knowledge. Um, as much as understanding what the technologies are, how they work, and how they relate to business um, and the coalition that you're working with, absolutely, absolutely, it's a it's a a battle, right? That is, that takes many steps. So it's not, you know, I think you see the movies and there's a big battle, everyone's charging in and all this stuff. That's just not, you know, these deals. It's sort of like Game of Thrones, like the deals happen in the background or whatever. So that's. <laughs> probably a good analogy <laughs> yeah it is um well i really appreciate this and i think that um that your advice especially about career development and how you proceed um is really great and i think it applies again to people that are working right now that are my age and and you know young people that are coming up and in high school and college and thinking about how to proceed you know get a well-rounded background is what we're saying and then add the particulars as you need them and you can do a lot of it on your own absolutely absolutely yeah i mean just think you know let's say you came out of college you have a certain degree within something and then let's say you want to diversify yourself maybe you want to get into privacy maybe you want to you know so just adding those little bits and pieces make you stand out that much more it makes you more unique so that's what i did well, it worked, right? Yes. Good job. <laughs> um, well, thanks so much for joining us. This has been great. Um, any other things you want to throw out? Any any big threats we need to worry about from a security standpoint? I think, you know, you always have to be vigilant. Um, I know as a result of what's happening in Ukraine, we're getting reports about, you know, uh, cyber attacks ratcheting up. Um, but I think, you know, Cyber criminals like to take advantage of uh, opportunities when people are sort of off their game, off your guard. So you know, be vigilant. You know, don't don't get so distracted by what, what's happening in the news that you, you know, oh, my God, let me click on this link. You know, you, you weren't supposed to do that before. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so don't don't, don't get, do it now. Don't fall, right, right. Don't fall for that. Right. Yeah. Right. Right on. Well, thanks uh, for taking the time, Debbie. I've really enjoyed it and um, hope you have a great day and uh, we'll be talking soon. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thanks.